Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Satan, you'll see, was saying to Adam and Eve, God's lied that you don't need his word. Our world says that in Jesus' day, and for sure it says it today. Understand that the world system is hostile toward God, His Word, and marriage. It's hostile. It's not neutral. It's against it. And the reason is, marriage is the foundation of all our world. The world in many ways has thrown off the idea of marriage as God intended it. Many couples are living together before marriage, if they even bother with marriage at all. If they do claim to value marriage, they're having sex before they're married. Others, of course, are just having sex without committing to a single partner for any length of time, let alone for the rest of their lives. Pastor Mark will be teaching how these changing morals are devastating to culture. You'll hear why biblical marriage, the concept, not just the ritual, matters to more than just the two people combining their lives together. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, as he continues his series, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. The most basic of all relationships is man and God. Woman and God. You cannot do life successfully without a personal relationship with God. No, I don't mean, oh, I believe there's a God, have a nice life. I mean living under the obedience from the directions, personally having a relationship with God. Before you can have any kind of a successful marriage, you must be in one-to-one relationship to God. The most basic of all relationships is not marriage. There's no marriage yet. There's only man and God. Notice God gave Adam directions. And it was included with the word The whole garden's for you. Much freedom. We think if we have that relationship with God, it's going to be really hard. It takes away all of life. No, it gives us life. First thing I want you to write in this passage is this one. Real life is only found in a personal relationship with God. It's not found in religion. It's not found in marriage. It's not found in stuff. It's found in a personal relationship with God. In this series, we will use God's word, the Bible, as the truth and the standard for all living. 
To be honest, that goes against everything in our world today. Not only did it happen back in the Garden of Eden, Satan, you'll see, was saying to Adam and Eve, God's lied, you don't need his word. Our world says that in Jesus' day, and for sure it says it today. Understand that the world system is hostile toward God, his word, and marriage. It's hostile. It's not neutral. It's against it. And the reason is, marriage is the foundation of all our world. God took one man and woman, said to have children, and that is the foundation, all in relationship to God. Of course, Satan is against it. So we're not interested in what somebody else says. We want to know in this series what God says. We want to learn to look at life from God's point of view. And so the word of God, I have to say to you today, is our ultimate authority. And marriage is of supreme importance because it's the first institution that God ever created. It's the foundation of family. And marriage is what God says it is and not what man says it is. Now that's going to trouble some of you. Let me show you how hostile our world is against God, a creator, in marriage. Maybe you saw the article in CNN. The world-famous physicist Stephen Hawking. And what does he say? God didn't create the universe. In fact, his new book called The Grand Design says this. Given the existence of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. What is that? I mean, here's a brilliant man that says nothing will create something. Really? Well, how does that work? The blogs are loving this. This is one of the most brilliant men in the world. He's frustrated. He's trying to outdo God. There's no need for a creator. Adrian Rogers, a great Bible teacher who's now in heaven, once wrote, God is the creator of all your hand can touch. Your eye can see, your ears can hear, your nose can smell. If you see a watch, I hope you assume there's a watchmaker. If you see a precise atomic flux of the universe, I hope you don't believe it happened by chance. Now, the evolutionists believe that if you take billions of years and you add time plus chance, you can turn frogs into princes. In school, they call that fairy tales. In the laboratory, they call it science. Well, forget that. We know there's a God. In the beginning, God. But what about marriage? How do we define marriage? You know the world today is redefining marriage. You go over to Sweden. You go to the Scandinavian company. It's been redefined. More than 50% of the children are born outside of wedlock. No need for marriage. What's happening in our country? Not much difference. What about Proposition 8? Can we redefine marriage? What does it look like? Let me give you just Newsweek head article. Listen to this statement. Newsweek. Once upon a time, marriage made sense. Once upon a time? Listen from a book called A Little Bit Married. Healthy partnerships are possible, for sure, but the permanence of marriage seems naive, almost arrogant. Next, anthropologist Helen Fisher. Humans aren't meant to be together forever, quote, but in short-term relationships of three or four years. Now, you might laugh at some of those, 
But what is that doing to our world? It's infiltrating the definition, the design of marriage. Now, Ellen Fisher says, uh, short-term relationships up to three or four years. I would have 11 wives. I don't even like to think about that. See, in the church, we don't understand the pressures. Romans 12 says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Well, if marriage is the most important institution God ever created, guess what Satan's after? That very institution. So how did God design it? And what do we do about it? And how do we fight against it? Now, many of us here are Christians. We already heard the statement. We know the Bible's true. I can just remind you again, because we are Christians, this works. That was a little slow. Let's try it again. <laughs> Rewind it. The Bible is God's word and it works. Amen. Amen. We know that's true, don't we? But in this room, many of you are not yet Christians. You're not Christ followers. By the way, we're glad you're here. And you're going to have to make a decision as we go through the teaching. Where are you going to learn about marriage? Where are you going to learn about life? Will you listen to anthropologist Helen Fisher? Will you read Newsweek, eat, love, play, Gilbert? Will she be the model for you? You see, are you going to learn about marriage and life from your friends? From television? From the movies? Or some of these so-called experts that I use today? Or are you going to learn about marriage from the God who established it in his design? I can't tell you. You have to make that decision. And you will struggle with it. It's okay. You're here under truth. I can't change you, but God can. So keep your ears open, your eyes open. And you will see as I go through, it makes very, very logical sense. Because that's the God who created you. Now look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. For the first time in all creation, God said that something wasn't good. God knew that Adam needed a helper, a companion, someone to share his life with. As God and Adam were going down the stream, maybe there in the garden. Adam was seeing all the animals. They had their counterparts, male and female. We don't know whether Adam made the mention, but probably God did. Because Adam was, really, he was at home with God. He was in relationship. But God knew that Adam needed more than him. He needed a human counterpart. To make this world work. So God took the initiative to solve man's loneliness. Those of you that are single, God knows it. You pray and you let God take the initiative of bringing you a godly person into your life. Certainly you can date and do all those things, but only date people 
that would make a godly spouse for you. Not a religious one, but someone that really serves God. And I'll say this kindly to you today, if you're a follower of Christ and you're dating an unbeliever, I have words of wisdom from you, from the word, and from 40 years of teaching on marriage. Break it up today. Will it be hard? Yes. But it will save you generations of anguish. Because the Bible says you can't have a marriage between one that's yoked and unequally yoked. It will never work. Do it God's way. Now, all of this happened. God saying to Adam, you need someone. Before sin, before there was sin, there was marriage. So the only picture of marriage that's perfect in all the world is this chapter. Your marriage isn't perfect. Mine isn't perfect. You know why? You remember the little I statement you just said to your neighbor? What are we? Three of you say, come on, now, what are we? I, selfish. That's why your marriage isn't perfect. That's the old sin nature in us. So, as we move along, you see something happen. All of a sudden, God says to Adam, stop the wrath, get out. Well, why should I stop the wrath? Well, because I'm going to do a little outpatient surgery on you. So, for the very first time, look at verse 21. So, the Lord... God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with lash. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Notice, Adam wakes up, he gets back into the raft, and the Bible says that God took Eve and brought her to the man. Now I want you to notice something. You'll learn later, how many clothes do Adam and Eve have on? Another statement to you. Man is visual. So as she climbs in the boat... Where do you think his eyes are? <laughs> Two places. There's hills and valleys that he's never seen before. Don't laugh, that's where you looked. Am I right? Absolutely. He looks at himself and he looks at her and he goes, Hallelujah! And he just says to, he, he just basically says to God, The surgery is perfect. It hurts a little, but it's worth it. And so here we have a picture of marriage. Sitting beside Adam is a helper. Someone who would assist another to reach fulfillment. Write this down. We forget it. Man needed a companion, a helper, and someone equal to complete him. You are incomplete without your spouse. God brought a spouse into your life for two reasons. One, to end loneliness. 
You're still lonely in your marriage? Then there's a problem. There's lots of people that live in the same house, but they're lonely. The second reason God brought a spouse to Adam was he was incomplete. He needed a helper. He was unbalanced in many ways. He couldn't do it alone. And I want you to understand today that these two together are designed by God to do way more. It's not one and one plus two. It's one and one equals 37. God brought a spouse into your life to enable you to do way more than two people could do. That's God. That's a helper. That's a companion. And that's the way we are to take the world. Now, when God did this, he knew that together they would be stronger than apart. She was like him. She was from him. But she was very different. Adam noticed those differences physically. He would notice the other differences, the gender differences and the personality differences. Time went on. What are some of the differences that God has put in our marriages? Well, let me just go through them and no elbows to your spouse now. Usually in marriage, one is a spender, the other a saver. Careful. One is organized. Look at their closet. The other's free spirit. Try to get into the closet. One is an extrovert. One's an introvert. One is a homebody, and they marry somebody that wants to be a world traveler. One is a confronter. The other person wants to withdraw. Why did God do that? How in the world can that be better? Well, you'll see in a moment. How about some gender differences between male and female? In general, men generally long to achieve and produce and succeed. Women generally long to nurture relationships, care for others. Men tend to share information to solve the problems. I'll solve it. While women tend to share feelings about the issues. Men usually thrive on action. Women a little more on communication. As we've always noticed, men are sexually aroused primarily through physical images. That's why pornography is such a huge thing for men. While women are sexually aroused primarily by loving words and actions. And that's why those relationships at work and men that there's no sexual to it at all, but there's kind words, you look good today, man, that's really great. Those things melt a woman's heart. Men need sex in order to feel loved. Women need to feel loved in order to enjoy sex. Why the differences? If you miss everything else in the series, you'll catch this. Write it down. God designed a husband and wife different for one main reason, to stimulate their spiritual growth. You see, we're so different. I demand, I boss, I change you. That isn't going to work. And so Martin Luther actually called marriage a school for character. As two people work at their marriages, the experience either brings out the best in them 
or the worst in them. Been there? I've been there. Sometimes marriage brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? And so what do I need? Well, I need God. I need God to give me the ability to exercise faith and patience. When my spouse is driving, you know, the very things that attracted us were the differences before marriage. After marriage, drive us crazy. (laughs) Why do I grip my teeth? Because I'm right in the middle of a marriage. Wasn't long after we were married and we had children. Linda sat me down at the table one night and she said this, you can't come home and pretend to be boss like you are at work. What was she saying? You already heard what she said. So I had to change. See, I'm the organized, got it all together, the perfectionist, whatever. She's like, say la vie, say la vie. I liked that before we were married. It drove me crazy after we were married. She's artistic. I'm scientific. What is that? Feely stuff. So what happened in our marriage? I had to become a little feely. I'm working on it. And she had to learn to balance a bank book. No, it does have to add up. You just can't go, I think it's close. (laughs) Don't laugh. You're right with me. Guess which one of us would be the homebody? Linda. Guess who's the world traveler? Me. So what do I have to do? When we do that, I have to make sure she's comfortable and do all. See, what does that do? For me to do that, I have to stop thinking about who? Myself. And that's why God puts you in that marriage. With a person that's imperfect forever. And that's the whole deal about marriage. Not to run. By the way, if you run and go to the next marriage, your chances of success are way worse. Billy Graham, married for 54 years before Ruth went to heaven, was asked, what was the secret of their marriage, their happy marriage? He said this, Ruth and I are happily incompatible. I love it. By the way, don't think you're perfect. Anytime I see a couple that we're perfectly compatible. You know why? Because it's not true. Am I right? It's not true. Either that or they never talk. Something happens. They don't even live in the same house. It isn't going to happen. You're simply incompatible. Designed by God to make you like God. You see, when we get to Ephesians, the man is to love his wife like Christ loved the church. All this thing about marriage and differences is to make God look good. He knew what he was doing. In today's message, Pastor Mark taught a little more about the spiritual aspect of marriage. You were reminded that because marriage is God's idea, Satan wants to do everything he can to corrupt it and cause people to have terrible marriages. You learned how critical it is that you have a solid relationship with Jesus. That'll help you get through life either as a single person or married. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will wrap up this portion of his teaching, Enjoying Marriage on the River of Life. You'll be reminded about God's original plan and how He designed two radically different people to be together for life. You'll learn about being happily incompatible. You'll hear that God has a plan for you as a couple and His plans are always perfect. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurting world a new hope he is given